Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always. You know, Christian, a lot of times on this show, we're talking about the ups and the downs throughout the season, and this performance isn't great. Here's the things you need to work on. Then you get an episode like this, where the Avs beat the Golden Knights 3 to nothing in their building with, by far, their best performance of the season. I can't name a single bad player in that entire game, and it, it almost makes an episode like this difficult because what do you say other than that was perfect more of that please i think that's it's i i don't know man like we we were we were talking off air for probably about 45 minutes trying to be like how are we going to get an hour out of this episode because we have to talk about this vegas game but there's only so many things you can say where it was like yeah they kicked ass last night it, it was just a perfect performance there was after they Val scored the second goal of the game, the game was over. Like I, I was just like that I, I don't really have to worry. Like that was the least stressful third period I've had in a long time. And the difference in the game was the defense was great and Georgiev made the big saves when he needed to. He finally got some help from the post. Like that one, I think it was Cotter had a wide open, he was wide open in front, probably the abs only defensive breakdown of the night, and it hit the post. And it felt like Georgiev hasn't had that all year, but I mean, probably one of Georgiev's best performances since the beginning of the season in this game. Yeah, it's his second shutout of the year. And you could tell this one was good for him. He had the crowd chanting his name several times. He makes a couple of big saves. And the defense, they come through for him and don't leave any backdoor tap-ins or anything. This is a game that you hope can can build on his confidence for the rest of the year now that we're at the halfway mark. And the thing about this game, I think you nailed it down perfectly. There was not a portion of this game where I even felt nervous. Vegas had very little sustained pressure. They just never seemed threatening whatsoever. The Avs did such a good job at, at neutralizing everything they did. They switched roles for once. Seems like every time we go up against Vegas, the Avs have such a hard time getting through the neutral zone and getting scoring chances because they just lock everything up so well. And it switched. For once, and the Avs shut down everything Vegas liked to do. Eichel was quiet. Mark Stone had one good chance. They didn't have William Carlson in this game, which I think is a big loss for them and stops them from doing a lot of the things they like to do. But that's kind of been the story for Vegas recently is they, they just haven't been able to do any of the things they want to do. You took the words right out of my mouth. It, it, it was a complete role reversal of the games. Like It felt like the Avs were actually breaking the, the Vegas forecheck pretty easily in this game. And Vegas was having trouble just getting sustained pressure. It was very weird to watch. And yeah, we talked about in the last episode, Vegas is kind of on a downward spin right now. They're what now three and eight in their past 11 games that they're struggling. You have to take advantage of a team that's struggling. And the abs did that. They, they actually probably should have won this game like five, six, nothing. If the Vegas goaltender who, what was his name? Paterka? Yuri Patura, I believe. Like, I don't. I don't think it was his debut, but I think it, no, it was his second NHL game. Okay. And his second game, he was great. He was really good in this game. Yeah, and the 
this game could have easily been a role reversal of the last time we played. It could have been seven nothing abs. I think it probably. I think it probably should have been. It they played well enough to deserve yeah. a seven nothing result out of this. And it's funny that these two games, which are always very high on our list for most anticipated games this season, it's always good when you play Vegas. They smoke us seven nothing. They're not getting the goaltending help. And then in this game, the Avs ran Vegas out of the building in essentially every department, but Patura made several great saves that keeps it at a more respectable three to nothing, but two shutouts in two of the three matchups for this season. Very funny. Um, It's just, I've come to expect that whenever we play Vegas and Vegas is beat up right now. Like they are, they're going through the same thing we went through last year where it's like, everyone's getting hurt. And like, it was weird because Aiden Hill was going to start this game. And then last minute they decided he wasn't. Granted, they play a back-to-back. Uh, I think they're playing the Bruins tonight in Vegas. So maybe he'll start that one. But it was just weird that he d- what, didn't get activated to play. I think Michael Amadio had surgery yesterday as well. So they're they're banged up. But the thing yeah. is, is like I'd love to say, like, oh, the Avs took advantage of beat up team. The Avs are beat up team themselves. <laughs> like it's it, we still didn't have Miles Wood. Josh Manson's out a second straight game, which I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Manson? I'd rather have him take these precautions and miss regular season games and have the Josh Manson we've seen this season in the postseason. Yeah, 100%, especially when it's the kind of thing like Bednar outlined. That's something that's been bothering him for a little bit and flaring up. In game 40, I do not care. I don't. Because the Avs have shown several times over they can deal with injuries. If there's one good thing about constantly being hurt is that you get used to constantly being hurt (laughs) and guys have to step up and do well. And the Avs defensive system is just so good. Nolan Pratt does such a great job with these guys time and time again. And that's why you see a guy like Caleb Jones come into this game, have easily his best game as an Avs. And that's clearly a factor of being here for long enough now, getting in enough practices, getting enough chemistry with his teammates and working in this system to allow him to flourish. I mean, you see all these guys come in, like Brad Hunt last year, come in and perform well enough with injury. It's not a secret that Jack Johnson has come here and has magically turned into a perfectly serviceable third pair defenseman. And everywhere else he's been, he's been unplayable. There's something here with the abs defense like okay josh manson needs a break and byram is hurt right now you bring guys up you bring them in and they do fine it's just how the abs are built it's their coaching staff it's their system it's a credit to everybody involved yeah i mean it was when you look at it we talked about it and after the caleb jones acquisition was made the decor is deeper than it was last year and malinsky has come up and proven that he can be suitable in the nhl i think he's still like getting his legs under him, but he's going to be a full-time NHL player soon. He's a solid player. Caleb Jones in spot duty is good. I I think we've kind of seen if Caleb Jones plays an extended amount of time, you see his flaws, but as a spot defenseman for Josh Manson being out for two or three games, I I don't hate it. And Sam Gerrard coming back has been absolutely massive to this team. His, his ice time is creeping up. I think he played what we say, 22 minutes last night. Yeah, in this game against Vegas, he played 22-37, which is only two minutes less than Taze and four minutes less than Kale. And which, taking minutes off of their plate, which matters. Taking minutes off of their plate, and that's what he needs to do. And I love the way Sam Gerrard played last night. Um, I want to talk about, before we move on to Sam, Sam Gerrard, Caleb Jones, that play he made, I think it was on the Logan O'Connor third goal. Keeping that puck in the zone two or three times was just magnificent work from Caleb Jones. And O'Connor gets it. 
Were you as surprised that Logan O'Connor's career high is nine goals? I thought it'd be much lower. <laughs> like I did not think nine would be his. I thought he would have already passed it because it just seems like he never scores more than five. And I think he's at like what, six or seven now. He's at seven right now. And last year he had nine goals. I mean, we forget he goes on those ridiculous right. to start the season where he has like six goals out of the gate. And if he can muster three the rest of the way, which is kind of what happened last year. He had several goals to start the year. He didn't score again until like February. Or it was like three something. months. It was three yeah. months. And I do think his roles change though. Like, would it surprise you if he gets to like 12 or 14 with the slightest for him? Not in the absolute slightest. This is by far the best version of Logan O'Connor that we have ever seen on this team to the point where it's almost not even an option to take him off the third line because he works so well. With he was Cole. playing second line minutes. He yeah, that's what I mean. Last night. And and we're having this conversation now. Is like, oh, Connor's becoming the kind of player that you can just move up the lineup, and it's fine. Whereas, like, if you need to play him on the top line, obviously it's not ideal, but he's not going to drown out there. Like, he can play really any role in kind of like a, a poor man's situation. And he's really grown into this team. He's found a little more scoring touch recently. The Bruins game, he had that beautiful steal and that finish. And you don't see Logan O'Connor score goals like this, like he did against Vegas. It's a great keep in from Caleb Jones to set up the whole thing. And he just kind of hesitates a little bit and picks his spot. It's a, it's a nice wrister from distance that you really only see like McKinnon scoring. Yeah. He, that, he got guess, lucky too. It went off Higgs. I mean, you need to get lucky yeah. to score from that distance, but that's the kind of thing you don't usually see him scoring things like that. Yeah. I, I thought Val tipped it in and got the hat trick, but um, Logan O'Connor is just on a tear right now. He played 18 minutes last night. I think he was the fourth or fifth forward in ice time. He was great in this game and he's been great all year long. And I think if you can keep, I don't know. I think he's earned more ice time. Like even when Lekkonen comes back, like it's going to be a bummer to see O'Connor back down to like 14 minutes because yeah. he has just been a consistent piece of this team so far this year. And you look at his entire career with the Avs, he's one of the most durable ones too. Like he plays in almost every game. And Bednar even said last night on the broadcast, I think Katie Goss was talking about it. Jared Bednar trusts Logan O'Connor as much as he trusts any other player, just because he knows what he's going to get every night. So. Logan O'Connor, keep kicking ass. Um, I distracted myself from talking about Sam Gerrard. Um, but what Sam Gerrard did, I think there was a play. He took a hit from Barbashev, which, I mean, just I think PTSD from when he literally got hit by a bus called Ivan Barbashev and broke his sternum. Mm-hmm. That concerned me a little bit, but it didn't seem to phase him. And there was a play he made in, I think it was the second or third period. He's down below the goal line, tries to make a pass back up to the point. It gets stolen by Mark Stone, and the player who breaks up the Vegas transition was Sam Gerrard, the guy behind the goal line. There are so many things that Sam Gerrard does where he affects more than just the score sheet. He he is such an invaluable piece of this team, and having him back, I think, has been the biggest game changer. Because right now, imagine if Sam Gerrard was still in the player assistance program and you have Byram and Manson out. You would not feel too great about this decor right now. No, not at all. And is it a coincidence that Sam Gerrard comes back and all of a sudden the defense just gets a lot better. All of a sudden the scoring chances dry up. There's less transition threats. He comes back and we're like, wow, what a great stretch the defense has been having. I wonder what could be the root cause of this. Yeah. You have to do some serious deduction. There some serious like mystery solving. Which game did he come back? Was it San Jose? 
It was San Jose. It was yeah. his first one back. Yeah, and since then, they've beaten the Sharks. They beat the Islanders. They beat the Stars. The Florida game was more on goaltending, I think. They've beaten Boston, and now they've beaten Vegas. Now they're currently on one of their best stretches of the entire season. It, it's Sam Dora being back. We I think we kind of undersold how important he was going to be. Like we knew he was going to be important, but and we and we were hyping him up the whole yeah. time too. Like when Sam Gerard comes back, a lot of problems on this team are going to be fixed, and he has overperformed that. Right, <laughs> like we undersold even our hype of him. He's been phenomenal, and it, it doesn't matter who you pair him with either. Like he was playing with Taves last night. He was playing with Jack Johnson. He's just he's I wouldn't say he's blossomed into it. I think we've just we stopped putting these crazy offensive expectations on Sam Gerard, And we're like, you know what? We have Kale McCarr, Devon Taves, Bo Byram to go score. We just need a good stay at home defenseman on top of what Devon Taves is doing. And that's what Sam Gerard has turned himself into. Yeah. And we know what Gerard is at this point. He's been here long enough. He's been here since he was a really young player and he's, he just seems more comfortable in himself now in these last six games. And I doubt that's a coincidence going through the player assistance program, getting clean, getting himself help. And now he just looks like a more finished version of Sam Gerard that we have been seeing because there has been merit in the past to a lot of his detractors of just like maybe not being too hard in front of the net and not going to the the board super hard and anything. He's doing all of that now. And his physicality's picked up since he's come back. It is the most physical we have ever seen. Yeah. Gerard. He has. Who did he hit in the corner last night? He had someone in the corner last night that he laid a pretty good lick on. I don't think even they remember. Yeah. Like, it might have been Colasar. It might have been so. Colasar, which is fine. That's totally cool with me. But we undersold Sam Gerard. He's been great. The defense has been great. We talked about it on the – did we talk about it last episode? Just Devon Taves? Just yeah. kicking ass? Yeah, I mean – It was the Stars game. It was the Islanders game and the Bruins game. Devon Taves is back. Like the, yeah. the, the version that we are accustomed to – I don't know where it was, but it's back now. Yeah, it, it was just so funny. I, it was on the broadcast last night. Rycroft and uh, Moshe were talking about just how good Devon Taves has been stealing the puck. And as they're saying that word, he steals the puck on like a stretch pass and gives the abs a chance. Like the decor is coming into itself, into the strength of this team, which we thought it was going to be. And once you add Manson and Byram back in, that's a scary decor. And you you talk about Jack Johnson, how good he's been it's going to be tough to take Malinsky out of the lineup. Like it's going to yeah. be tough, but, but there's even, nothing Jack Johnson has done wrong to like suit Jack Johnson coming out. It's going to be interesting. And what are your thoughts? Do you still think we need to add another defenseman at the deadline? Or are you feeling pretty good with what we have? As long as it's healthy, honestly, I feel all right. I really do. Like, I really don't know if I should, but when you look at one through five on defense, those are all absolutely top four defensemen, yes. including the best defenseman in the world, Mikhail McCarr. And you have so many rotating options on defense with Caleb Jones and Jack Johnson. And now Sam Malinsky was like, okay, someone goes out. Someone can come back up and plug in. And it's really not that much of a big deal. If Jack Johnson just for some reason regresses all the way back down, you can put Caleb Jones in and have it be fine. And if you need a game where you need a little bit more flair on the back end, you know Sam Malinsky can handle that. I think in terms of what we came into this season with, with the parts that we have, I don't think you could have asked for this to go much better. No, I, I think you have eight NHL defensemen who could play in a pinch. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about like Brad Hunt or anything like that who yeah. hasn't spent any time up here or anything. Like Even Keaton Middleton 
can get games in the NHL because and be in, okay. in the playoffs. What what was it when Jack when we were basically playing with five defensemen in the cup run? Jack Johnson was playing what like seven eight minutes a game. Yeah, like, I mean, Jack Johnson got hurt pretty early in the series. He was he was supposed to play over over Eric, I yep. believe, and then Eric Johnson has to come back in. And it was just another thing. Even old, reliable Jack Johnson, who never gets hurt, was hurt in like warmups. Yeah, he got hurt in warmups. He got scratched last minute. Yeah. But I, I feel good about where the decor's at. And granted, it's got to stay healthy. It's got to get healthier. But I, I would be surprised if the Abs spin their assets on another D man. That's what I mean. Like they've they've got much bigger issues yeah. right now. And I'm not interested in talking about Ryan Johansson again. No. We've talked about it at nauseum. He plays under ten minutes in this game. And I, it's very clear that we're done here. Like, I just don't think we really need to have this conversation again, time after time again, because it's it's going to happen. We don't need to speculate whether or not Ryan Johansson's going to be gone and they're going to upgrade because they will. If he's playing under 10 minutes and getting barely more minutes than Freddie Olofsson, we're done. But even in spite of that, the Avs still hold off the performance that they had against Vegas without essentially a second line center. Yeah. And uh, a player who I think should be an all-star. It'll be interesting to see if he gets there because he doesn't have the name. Like Val Nachushkin has been just an absolute animal this year. Two power play goals last night, both set up by like, I think this was one of the best games Miko Ranson has played in a while. And Val Nachushkin was the benefactor of a couple of them, but would I would rather have Kale and Miko rest, and I wouldn't mind Val going to to the All-Star. Oh yeah, please stop voting for Kale. Oh, he's gonna make it. It's he, already yeah. Over. He's like three hundred thousand votes ahead yeah. of the next defenseman. He's going to go, but maybe we can staunch the bleeding and prevent this. Please don't make Kale or Miko go for that matter. Right. Like even Val, it'd be cool. But it's like I don't care. like. I'm at the point now where like stop. I don't want any <laughs> it's of gonna them happen, to go. Though. I know, it's but like. Happen. I don't want any of them to go. I want them to rest and I want them to deal with what they're dealing with injury wise and get healthy for the next half of the year because the, the all-star game sucks because we saw it with kale in the fastest skater competition takes a tumble into the boards and we're all holding our breath, asking ourselves whether or not this is really happening right now. (laughs) I I hate it. I don't like it. Yeah, no, I mean, it it would be cool to see Val go uh, just because we don't I think in Colorado we talk about it enough. I don't think he gets enough pub in the national media for just how crazy his story is that he literally went a full year without scoring a goal and he's probably gonna have 35, 40 goals this year. I like, think it's starting now. Now that he's over 20, 40 games into the season for himself and is pretty much can't go more than two games without scoring a goal, it's kind of starting to spread out there a little more that like, oh, Val is he's that. He's yeah. really good. Like, and we always knew the defensive game was there. If he could just figure out the offensive and he has figured it out. And I, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I had this feeling last year, like with how banged up he was and like the production was still kind of there, but you had all the, all, all the off ice drama, that contract looked like it could be. Uh, I was scared. A, a part that could tear apart this team. Now you look at it and you're like, that's a bargain. For what he's doing right you're, now. You're talking about a guy who could realistically finish this season with 40 goals. And you're barely paying him over $6 million right now. Yeah. I, I'll admit, going back to last year with the foot injury and how it, it really impacted his mobility. Yes. That he could 
barely move when he was out there on the ice for a lot of the year and still had a pretty solid season. Then there's the off-ice drama and the playoffs and everything, and you're asking yourself, is this even worth it? And he comes back this year, he has a kid, and he, st he started the season pretty slow. Yeah. And he comes back, has the kid, and fully settles into the season and is having himself uh, a season that would make Chris Kreider jealous. Yeah, but I I don't think his is as lucky as Kreider's was back in the I mean, day. it's a lot of in front of the net on the power play kind of stuff. Like, I don't think Val is going to be the kind of guy where it's like, oh, pencil him down for 40 every year. True. But like It's not like Chris Kreider has dropped into the earth. He's just not scoring 50. 50. It is funny when you look at the league leaders and goals and – Tied for eighth is Nathan McKinnon and Val Valerian Nachushkin. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because you have all three of your guys pretty much all hovering around the same goal total right now where you have, I think it's McKinnon still at the top with 22. No, him and Val are tied now at 22. Oh, yeah, they're tied now. For some reason, I don't know why they didn't update, right? Yeah, so it's McKinnon and Val tied at 22 and Rantanen at 21. And everyone's least favorite player, Ryan Johansson, is at fourth and 11. I mean, it's just like I... I very much enjoyed watching Val get back to the Val we saw in the Stanley Cup playoffs and him turning into that player or turning back into that player just justifies that contract because there was legitimate fear last year where you're like, fuck, we still have like five more years of this. And what if he just regresses back? He's taken his game to a whole different level. Granted, it helps playing with the player who's tied for first in the league in points. But you also have to finish those chances. There are you do have to finish those, and his defensive game is always going to be there, and his versatility. He plays every role on this team. He plays penalty kill, power play, five on five. It, it's you could make the case he's one of the best players on this team. He's absolutely one of the best players on this team, and Bednar said it himself. In terms of the two hundred foot game, he's one of the best players in the world at it. Yeah. Like yeah, he doesn't have the the offensive dynamo of McKinnon and Rantanen but he's good at digging out those pucks and making those opportunities happen. And now he's carved out a very nice role for himself in front of the net on the power plays. Like you, you can call it cherry picking all you want. They all count. And if he's scoring the same goal every single time, it means they can't stop him. It right. means he's still just getting to the right areas, putting himself in the right place and cleaning up pucks. Does, like, yeah, does that not just of... frustrate you, though, with like this power play sometimes, where it's like you watch last night with Val and he just scores right in front of that? Why aren't we doing that every single time? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, well, it drives like, me crazy. Well, it was like, what, 12 games ago, we were like below average in the league yeah. in terms of power play at like around 20%. I believe they're up to 25% now on the power yeah, play. They're back in the long. top 10 the last 12 games and it, yeah, they're back in eighth, I believe. And Val's a big part of that. I mean, it, it, not everyone, it looks easy. Not everyone can just do that and stand no. in front of the net on the power play, clean everything up. He's get a behemoth of a man. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. It's I, just, I dare you to move him on the ice. You're not going to. Well, and like, that's the thing. Like Nick Haig for Vegas is six, six. He's a big dude. And Val was boxing him out the entire night. Like it just, it opens up so much more for those crossing passes if you have the threat that Val is in front. And I think, is he leading the league in power play goals? He's got to be up there. He's got to be up there. I don't know if he's leading the league. That's something I'd have to look for. Because I think he has 12 now. 12 or 11 power play goals. He's got to be up there for sure. I mean, because it's not Ovi anymore. We know that. Not Ovi. And I, I, 
it's going to drive me crazy. He's got to be in at least top five for sure. Well, but, if, if NHL.com worked, I'd be able to let you know. But yeah, you know, it's, all good. it's not. We'll, we'll stall until then. Yeah. But it, when you have that threat, it opens up those crossing passes that Druan and McKinnon and Rantanen love to do. And I don't know. It, I think that's kind of what clicked for the power play. It's like, oh, we have a behemoth of a man who's really good at deflecting pucks. We'll just plant him right in front of the net. And even as much as I love Arturi Lekkinen, when he comes back, Val's staying on power play one. Well, 100%. He has 13 power play goals. Like he's is not it 13 hard. now? 13. I undersold him. Yeah. So, And th- this is what the team has been missing on the power play without yes. Landeskog, is that net front presence. Because Landeskog did that as well as anyone in the NHL. He was Just, probably one of the best in the NHL. Yeah. And being able to do that and be in the bumper slot and Val, like he, he's not just standing in front of the goalie. He's moving around. He's yes. bumping pucks around. Like he's, he looks like Landeskog on the power play now. And hypothetically, if you do get Landeskog back at some point this season, it's almost going to be interesting as to who stays there right. or you just put Landeskog down on two since Val is working so well. It's, it's, it, it that would be a, um, I think Bednar would love to have that problem if it got to that. So who did, did you see who's leading the league in power play goals? It, it, it literally does not work. Right. Still now. doesn't look. Okay. Yeah. okay. I'm now, now it's working. Now I'll find it. Cause 13 is a lot. And it's, it is Sam Reinhardt at 14 power. Play okay. Goals. I mean, yeah. My second league goals is number two at 13 ahead of Kucherov, Matthews, Besser, Moose. I mean, He's having a hell of a year. He's having a hell of a year. So, I, I, again, I know people turn their nose up like, oh, it's power play goals. They count. They yeah. all count all the same. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's pretty impressive. And Reinhardt's having a career year, and Val's not far behind it. It it In this game against Vegas, it's tough to say. Like, I don't even know if Val was the MVP of this game. That's just how good the Avs were. And Val good. kicked ass Every, last night. Everybody was in this game. The only negative I can point to, and people are going to roll their eyes again because I'm going to say the, the magic name, is Curtis McDermott missed a wide open. Oh, bro. That was a sick move. Like, okay. I I, I was ready to jump out of my seat if he finished that goal, and he should have. Like, I, I think if you gave an average fan that opportunity, they score that 50% of the time. Yeah. Like, I, w- I wanted to – I it made me mad because I'm like, tell me – Anybody else in the organization, the entire organization does not finish that kind of thing. I'm going to end it, it there, been, but that is the only bad thing. That would have been just so perfect, though, but like all three of his goals are just highlight reel dangles and he just fucking roofs them all. Um, I was ready to cheer. Uh, and the thing was, is like, I kind of liked the fourth line last night. They actually like played decent. I know they didn't play a ton of minutes. Freddie out did, did them all with nine minutes. But I thought McDermott and Pollen actually created some chances. They sustained some offensive zone time. I was actually surprised to see they only played five minutes each. Like I, I thought they actually played closer to eight in that game. And it was just I, – I was impressed with the fourth line last night, which I think is the first time we have said that in two months. Yeah. I mean, they were due for a good one, and Freddie had himself a very good night. Pollen does not look uncomfortable in the NHL. And McDermott, he's, he played fine. He didn't do like other than missing the wide. If that's the one mistake Curtis have is missing a wide open net in a three nothing win. I'm cool with that. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's it, I'm cool with that, and it's it's just going to be interesting because you're going to add Lekkinen back into this lineup. You're going to add uh, Miles Wood back into this lineup. 
your fourth, your third line essentially becomes your fourth line. And I kind of like the way the third line played last night too. Like if that becomes your fourth line, you're feeling very confident about where your team's at. Yeah. I mean, this team's dealing with a lot right yeah. now where you have Logan O'Connor pretty much playing second line minutes and Ross Colton is already taking over second line center and Cagliano, Kibiranta are playing third line minutes between Johansson. Like that's, it's not ideal the way the lineup is right now, but this team, they just take care of business. No, they... if you would have sent me a picture of that lineup card against Vegas three weeks ago, I would have thought we would lose 7 nothing again. Like yep. that lineup should not be beating the defending Stanley Cup champions 3 nothing, and the score doesn't indicate how much the Avs dominated that game. Yeah, it, sh- it should have been more, but Vegas got good goaltending on the other end, and you know what? What do you do? It's it's very it's going to be very interesting, but I was very happy with how the team played last night. Um, oh yeah, I wanted to talk like it is just. Do you think we're past the point now? Like I don't think this is just a good stretch for Jonathan Drew, I think this is just the player he's going to be. For oh, I yeah, I wanted to talk about this too because even though you look at the stat sheet in the game, he has he has one assist, didn't have any goals in this game. This was the game that really convinced me that we fixed Jonathan Drouin and he's now going to be here for the long haul because I think Evan also pointed out the exact play in yeah, the back check. Period. Yeah. The back check where he chased down. Was it Colazar again? I think it was Colazar on the boards and just a beautiful play chased him down into the boards, knocks him over, frees up the puck. Like the kind of thing you didn't see from Jonathan Drouin in game 10 of the season, but now they've gotten their hands on him for half a season. And now he's sitting at nine goals, 22 points in 40 games so far this season and has cemented himself on the top line. The difference between Druan and Tatar and the reason why Druan is still here and Tatar is not is because Druan carved out a role that they could not replace. And yes, they haven't really replaced Tatar yet. Kind of a weird conversation to still be having right now, but Tatar never did that. Even when Drouin wasn't playing well, he still showed that what he can do, what he can be with this team is just you got to be patient with 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 Tatar. It just the the speed was not there, the chemistry was not really there with anyone with Drouin. Even when it wasn't great, you could see how you this see could work. You could see the flashes, and you could see how this could work. And over the last several games he has looked beyond reproach. Like he has just looked extraordinarily comfortable. I don't even think it's the past seven games. I think it's been like the past month. I said several games, but yeah. Oh, I thought you said seven games. Um, It, it does concern you that maybe this is just a flash in the pan, but the way he's, the way he's, it's not like he's going on crazy point streaks. Like he's just playing good hockey and he's letting the game come to him. He has fit in well. I think this has gone way better than expectations with the whole reuniting him with him and McKinnon. There are moments where like, I think Drew Ann thinks McKinnon is thinking something a little bit different. Like there are a couple times he just puts it in his skates, but defensively, I think he's improved his game tremendously. And again, we love our Turi Lekkinen, but I don't think you can take Drew Ann off the top line right now. No. I mean, when Lekkinen comes back, I don't think you want to throw him on the top line grinder right, right away. I think right. it I think it just makes a lot more sense to have him down on the second line and Drouin's working right mm-hmm. now. I don't think that is something you want to break up at all. Yeah. He's been he's been great and the only problem with each day that passes with Jonathan Drouin is he's getting more expensive by the day. Yeah. And so like 2 million dollars like I don't know, man. 
because he's been that good. But I do think that he's going to look at it, and we've talked about Drew-Ann's past with the Canadians and all the mental health he struggled with and addiction. Maybe being here, he'll realize he'll take the hometown discount to play with his best friend right. and continue to maybe win more another Stanley Cup. Because it's not like Drew-Ann hasn't made money. Like, because he had that contract with the Habs for a Wasn't while. It... He just came off of it. It was 5.5 for six years, and he made all of it. Yeah. And his career earnings are $35 million. I mean, it's not like he's uh, been a role player who's been struggling to to lock down security for a while. He's not an Evan Rodriguez. Right. He's not Evan Rodriguez kind of thing where it makes sense for him to maybe go, I can get more elsewhere and I probably should. I think you're totally right with Truen, where he might not make as much as he would hitting the free agency market. But if the apps offer him a three, four year contract even – even if it's a little less than market value, I think it just makes sense for him to do that. And also from the app's perspective, a lot of these guys have walked out the door lately where it's like you need a cheaper option to float into your top six, your Evan Rodriguez's, your Brandon Sods of the world. You got to keep one eventually because eventually you're not going to hit. You're going to sign a guy that doesn't work. And that's Thomas Tatar. Yeah, Tatar. But it's like, when you don't have a Drew Ann, when you don't have a Rodriguez, you're going to bring in another guy that doesn't work, and that's going to be a really big problem that season. Yeah, and I do think he'd take, like, not even like I'm saying he signs, like, for league men, but if you could get him three years, 1.5 AAV. Yeah, like, I I think a, around $2 million bucks is a pretty solid ask on both That's topics. a top six forward making $2 million. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. And I, the, with the Avs cap situation, it's it's going to be dire next yes. year. They really can't afford more than that with Drew. It's not even trying to lowball him. It's like, this is literally what we can do. Right. And I, I think he's going to stick around because this is the best he's played since his early Toronto or Toronto, Tampa Bay days. Yeah. Whereas right. like he, he's a guy who had a 20 goal season before yes. and had 53 points and went on a, a deep playoff run in his sophomore season with the lightning when he went to the Eastern conference final. And even his early years in Montreal weren't awful. Like he had 18 goals, 53 points in his second year. It was after that where things have fallen off and he has now gotten back to that and gotten back to being a solid top six player. When we had Jesse on at the beginning of the year, what did he say his point prediction for Duran was? Did he say I think he said his hot take was 60. So I don't know if he, 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 he may hit 50. He'd have to heat up a little more even. Well, yeah. This also is factoring in his slow start to the season yeah. where he didn't have a ton of points. Right now in 40 games, he has 22 points and nine goals. So if he sustains this or somewhere close to it, 50's in the realm of possibility. Which for what we signed him for would be ridiculous. Return. Unbelievable. Unbelievable value. It was like, yeah, you look at Johansson and get mad that that one didn't work out and Tatar didn't work out. They knocked it out of the park with Drew Ann. Wood and Colton, great players. I mean, yeah, you're, you're not going to hit on every single one, but if you're finding guys like this in the offseason, they're becoming such integral parts of your team, you, you still got to feel pretty good. I do feel pretty good about it. Um, any other final thoughts about this Vegas team? I think we touched on pretty much every single player, and we went this entire time without saying Nathan McKinnon extended his home point streak again. Uh, secondary it's, assist. It's funny to call it a streak. It's just literally been every home game. Yeah, every home game, Nathan McKinnon gets a point. Uh, we kind of touched on it with Miko. I thought this was one of Miko's best games he's played in a long time. 
ends up with two assists, but he was he was playing really good last night, made a couple good defensive plays. And it is nice to say that the Avs dominated a team, and you can say McKinnon and Rantanen didn't really go off. Neither did McCarr. Yeah. I mean, McKinnon was excellent. Rantanen, again, I thought he was much better in this game. Like, Rantanen, I think we just kind of know, he's not always 100% locked into every single game, but he's just such a phenomenal player that it doesn't matter sometimes. And then you get a game like this, where the comparisons to Nikita Kucherov are right there. Yeah, he's like one of the best players on planet Earth. Yeah, at his best playing like this, Miko Rantanen is very comparable to Kucherov, yes. and you're getting that. He's Just, one of the best wingers in the league if he's if he's playing like that every game, and that's what we saw last year was that. And this year it's just kind of been what we saw in the cup run, which, you know what, if Miko Rantanen can half-ass his way to 50 goals and 100 points, more power to him. Yeah. Like, it's just... I mean, as, as long as you're playing your best when it matters, like because again, like I have come on here and said regular season, get healthy, doesn't matter all that yeah. much. And I'm sure for players, especially like Miguel Ranton, it's a grind a lot of the time and he doesn't miss a lot of time. He's he's fully in the shit for the entire season. And if he can get 100 points again, because again, he's 42 games in. 53 points. He's already over 20 goals. I mean, it's absurd because we haven't talked about Miko Rantanen like we were last year and he's on the exact same pace that he was on last year. Yeah. I mean, he like, it's going to be a, a question as to whether he hits 50. I think he's got to heat up a little down the stretch to hit 50. I think he will but, though. Man. Like, but that's I the just, thing. Like he's just not on pace for it. Yeah. I think he's going to, but he hasn't had the Miko Rantanen stretch where he has like three straight games with two straight, like two multiple. Yeah. Like we're still going to get the Rantanen hat trick. Eventually we're going to get to the stretch where he has nine goals in four games and he's going to hit a hundred points. Like there, there's no question about that. It, it's just, uh, it's funny because he's, he's doing pretty much the exact same thing he did the year before. It's just, because McKinnon, knock on wood, has been healthy most of the year, and he's just quietly amassing these points and goals. So, yeah, I mean, if there's one thing you know about Mika Rantanen is like, if they need him, he's not gonna fuck around. Right. Like, if you have a situation where McKinnon's not available and their lineup is in the dumpster, Rantanen's gonna go crazy. Like, he's not gonna take those games off, kind of thing. I think he, Miko's just one of those. I think he enjoys being kind of like the the second star because he can just like not, not chill, but like the pressure and the expectations always go to McKinnon. And then Miko's just kind of, there, like, Ooh, <laughs> I, I got this. Yeah. He's just, he's just having a great time. And those passes to Val on the power play in this Vegas game. That second one was just, that's just chemistry with the teammate. Just knowing that he's there between the legs, no look, beautiful pass to set it up. And it, it's just, that's the part about Miko Ranton. You're just like, man, if he could do this every game, he'd be an MVP favorite. <laughs> yeah. And again, just the top line as a whole matched up against Vegas and they, they, they chewed him up. They like, they, Vegas had nothing they could do with them. Like Mark Stone had no shot against them. Chandler Stevenson, a great two way forward, got destroyed. Like yeah. Eichel did not do well against them at all. I believe the shots on goal when the top line was out there was like 14 to three. Sounds about right. They they were amazing. It was just a great game. I'm very happy with it. And you you actually do pretty good on the beginning of this murderer's row of stretch. And now you got to go back on the road. Um, that's going to be tough because they haven't been the greatest road team recently. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, 
at DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. The Avalanche have been rolling lately as we get to the second half of this season. If you want to put your money where your mouth is as a fan, you can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get access to this offer of 5 bucks on any NHL game and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. And now, Back to the episode. Before we do the Toronto preview and what we say, is it Montreal or Ottawa first? Montreal, then Ottawa. Montreal, then Ottawa. We do have to talk about the biggest news in an off day. Gabriel Landeskog was skating with the team today. Um, that video that Evan tweeted out, uh, my brain immediately, like I, we, you can go back and listen to episodes of the show where like, we're not getting our hopes up. When I saw him on the ice with the team, um, I, I let my brain wander. I did, but I, I let the fan fiction in my own head just start to run wild. And it's like, just if Landy comes back, like this team is going to be like unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> like, the fan fiction in my brain went wild when I saw that video. And we knew this was what was going to happen. We predicted it to a yeah. T. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like the, the second we see that Landeskog video of him hitting the ice for the first time in the loosest of terms. Yes, it was an optional ice. skate yeah. with like five other players. There. He was wearing skates and moving. That's really odd. To even say he was moving is generous. It's generous. Yeah. He but, looked like a coach out there more than anything, but it was just... You see him out there and you're like, man, I'm just, you add this guy back to the lineup. This team's unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden you're talking about putting Landis God back on that top line and you're bumping Val and Lekkinen down and then Druan, who even knows what you do with him at that point with how well he's playing, <laughs> or you don't move Druan and you like, what? <laughs> what it's, it, your brain runs wild. And then I saw a tweet that blew my mind. And it, it's crazy to think about Arturi Lekkinen and Gabe Landis have never played a regular season game together. They've only played in the playoffs together. Yep. <laughs> it's like and that like went pretty well. this team for three years now. Like it's crazy when you think about that. And I I don't know. Like you saw pictures of him and Lekin together, and you're like, oh yeah, they were pretty fucking good in that cup run together. Yeah. To the point where Lekkinen was on the top line instead of Landis yeah. and they moved him down. Oh, remember that second line with Kadri, Landeskog, and Nachushkin? Potentially the greatest second line of all time. <laughs> Yeah, with the greatest third line this team's had and the top line, oh. that that team. Dude, Pretty- it's just, we we are so dumb. Like, we we tried to warn ourselves on this show. We're like, we can't get our hopes up. Like, he's going to come back in, like, the middle of January, start skating with the team again. We can't get our hopes up. The second I saw that video, I was like, well, I mean, hey. Yep, back back in the first round. Yep, game one, round one, who knows? Like, he'd be, he, he could be back. Like, my dumb brain went straight to that. It's awful. It's awful. <laughs> you're, you're trying not to say things that would get your hopes up. My brain's already gone there. Like we talked about it, I think like a month ago where it was like, he comes out, 
game one of the Western Conference quarterfinals, round one. There's only four players on the ice. And then you get the Stone Cold Steve Austin music. Gabe Landeskog comes out on the ice. Like that is going to be Gabe Landeskog's first game back is going to be probably one of the best games. It would be the noise would be comparable to like a college football home game. Yes. It's just the you can't hear anything like i don't think they'd be able to play the game i think they would have to wait and calm everybody down did you see my tweet where it was like they absolutely get a delay a game penalty to start and landis gog would serve it and it would just be pure pure fan fiction and, and then they'd they'd kill the penalty he steps out of the box and the, the place would Score, erupt again and they would have scores to on a breakaway yeah and it's just the, the fan fiction in my brain went absolutely wild but that is still like seeing him on the ice if you're looking at this in a real perspective that is progress yeah that he's he's still months away from playing yeah like there there is a very real chance that he's not playing for this team this year even in the playoffs that is probably also the most realistic option it is the most realistic if we're put back on like our not crazy fan fiction the real possibility is if you have Gabe Landeskog for game one of next year I'm happy that is a win in my books and this is progress hopefully there's no um, regression from him in this healing process. But if you add him back to game one of next year, that's just a 30 goal score you're adding to your lineup again. Yeah. Like it's, it's only going to help having Landis Gog back. And the fact that the team is still a cup contender and doing the things that they can do yeah. without Gabe Landis Gog, like just ever since they won the cup, they just haven't had him at all. Yes. And we just keep putting the team on the same standard as when they had Cape Landeskog. Yes. Like he's essentially been Kadri at the same time. And like Burakovsky, like we just are missing these incredibly important players from the yes. cup run. And just technically Landeskog is still an av. But he's had the same impact as Kadri and Burakovsky since then. Just right. hasn't been available. It's it's just I'm I'm hoping that it just continues to progress the right way. McFarland went on. Did he go on Frank Saravalli today, or was that an old clip that people were tweeting out? I think it was today. Was it today? He said he's still a long ways out, which yeah. that's what we all expected. But just seeing him out there is it, 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 your brain just goes into the possibilities. Yeah, and- I mean, th- there is not a question at all that he is not coming back in the regular season. No. What if there is a negative five percent chance that they wouldn't happen. even be allowed to do it because exactly. they'd be able to the salary cap. <laughs> exactly. It's not it's not even an option. Did you whatsoever. did you go and read some of the replies on Evan's tweet? There was oh, one. It was uh I think I can't remember if it was a Vegas fan or another one. They were like, Of course he's gonna come back for game one of the playoffs, circumventing the cap. Like, you don't get to like, say anything. I was like, he it was just funny because you could see the ratio. It was like it had one like and then 35 <laughs> responses. And it's like, dude, you don't realize that, like, we're not circumventing the cap. The guy has not been able to play in two fucking years. Like, d- uh, had Shea Weber play a game? No, no, I was about to say, did Shea Weber play a game more recently than Gabriel Landeskog? I, I forget that after the cup No, final. yeah, the cup uh, final was his, was his send-off. Yeah, like, that's how long it's been. Oh, yeah, I see the one you're talking about. It was an Oilers fan. It was an Oilers fan. Yeah. It was an Oilers fan. Circumventing the cap, and it's like, 
Yeah, bro, it's, it's from Justin at Justin Oilers fan. If you want to go pile on this guy, yeah. But it's oh wow, real shocker when he's magically healed for game one of the first round. Who saw this coming? As if this is not his first time on the ice in the entire season. In, As in, if that was not made abundantly clear in the right. season. And he took he basically did the Eichel strategy and got a surgery that no professional athlete has gotten before. Like it's it, it, like I get it on paper. And if you're like outside perspective looking at it, it's like, that's a little fishy that he's just miraculously going to. Yeah. Like, the guy who didn't play last season. Either, yeah. You know, the guy who hasn't played totally, a regular season games since yeah. January of 2021. We're going up on almost three years since he's played a regular season. 22, 22 at least. Was it 22? Yeah, yeah. 22. We like, won the cup. We won the cup that year, Christian. 2020. Yeah, I keep thinking it was 2021 for some reason. Um, but that's like from an outside perspective, I can get that. I, I can get, but when you like actually look at it and as an as fan, it's like, no, like this dude hasn't even been close to playing for two years now. So um, I just thought that was funny because it is, it is just a classic Oilers thing to do, but yeah, they yeah, really Gabe like Landis to Scott, complain. They really like to complain, don't they? Yeah. And Gabe Landeskog's back um, to skating with the team and skating is just putting that very generously. He yeah. was in the, he was gliding. the air quotiest of air quotes. He is yeah. skating with the team and then yeah it was just it is good to see just all of abs nation just be like hey we, we love this guy like, and, I, and at the end of the day the vibes around the team have just been good lately yeah. they've just been like i remember a couple weeks ago when the when the taste quote came out and all the outside media is piling on the team because oh they've got locker room issues and they're blowing leads there's all these problems right now and right now things are fine Teams winning games, they're beating good teams. Lekkonen's coming back soon. Landeskog is around the team again, which I'm sure is indescribable for team morale. Yes. Like it's it's crazy how winning fixes things sometimes. It fixes like, a lot of problems. The, the team is good, and that's why they were so frustrated back then because they know they're better than that. And that's why even they were getting okay results. We were on here being like, we know they're so much better than this, and this is why because you get performances like this, and you have this murderer's row that we've talked about recently since San Jose, where you had a comeback win against the Islanders, a comeback win against the stars. You had a bad game against Florida, but even then it was four, four in the third period. You got yes. bad goaltending that game performance been competitive they, in every game, the performance wise, they were fine. And then they beat Boston and then they beat Vegas. That could realistically be three rounds of the playoffs right there between playing Dallas in one of the first two rounds meeting Vegas in the conference final and one of Florida or Boston in the Stanley cup final. Like those are all very potential playoff opponents and you handled business against them. Yeah. Obviously you didn't against Florida. You still played well. And if you match up against Florida again, if you're getting saves, I put the abs up against them any day. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but the murderers row, would you say, I want to say it gets a break after Toronto because Montreal and Ottawa are tough teams, but they aren't playoff teams at this point. But this Toronto game on Saturday, um, as much positive as we've talked about, this game concerns me. I don't know why. I just have a weird feeling about this it's, game. It's Toronto. Every time Toronto gets involved, there's always just some weird shit that happens and the game's magnified because it's the Leafs and everything's always about the Leafs all the time. Like It could be a perfectly normal game. But it just it always feels magnified when it's Toronto. I don't even know if it feels mag- like it, it's just they played so well that if they can go in there and do this to Toronto, I will be even more back in on this team than I was yesterday. 
If they can go into Toronto and play like they did against Vegas and you get good goaltending out of Georgiev, because to be honest, even as like shaky as Georgiev has been, the Leafs goaltending has been worse. It is worse. Just outright. I mean, Martin Jones was three and zero, had like two shutouts last week, but you know, that's just how it goes with goaltending in the NHL. And like it, for me, it's less about the Leafs and more about going back on the road and yeah. where this team has had their struggles this season. You've been eaten at home lately and you've beaten good teams at home, but outside of like Dallas, they've not been great on the no. road so far. This Dallas season. is like weirdly, yeah. like, I don't know why we went in Dallas, but on the road, this team's struggled. Yeah. They, they set a record for most consecutive road wins and then just proceeded to never win road games yes. again. And now you have one, two, three, four, five of them coming up in a row. Then you're back home for two games. Then it's one, two, three, four, five, six road games after that again. So you have a lot of games coming up on the road for the next month, basically. But if you can go into Toronto and set the tone right away with a real solid performance, you're setting yourself up pretty nicely for things to really feel different around this team. Because if you if you lose in Toronto and then you have it go against you in Montreal, now it's going to feel like you're fighting it again. And the road thing is going to become a much bigger issue. Yeah, and I don't know what it is, but like the abs going into Ottawa, those games are just always crazy. The past yeah. couple of years in Ottawa, it's been crazy games. Ottawa struggled. Um, against Toronto, though, like the goaltending is going to be interesting. You're going to need Kale McCarr and Devon Taves to play. Like As much as we just said the ice time was down in this last game, would not surprise me if we see McKinnon and Ranton playing 28 minutes in this game. Like, they probably will. They probably will. Um, bad news is Miles Wood still out. Does not going to fly with the team. Yeah, for I, mean, the I, I hope not. He's clearly got a vicious bad case of the flu. flu. Yeah, yeah. Like, one of the worst cases of the flu I've seen in a while. Um, Arturi Lechton is going to be traveling with the team, although I think Bednar said today like he's more than likely not going to play till the end of the road trip. Yeah, I mean, it's what it's what we said last episode. Right. If he's if he's going to play, it's at the end of the trip, and even that's not a guarantee. Yep, uh, I imagine Manson's going to travel. Uh, Byram's still out week to week. Like it's you're basically going up there with pretty much the same lineup you had on on last night. I can't remember what day it was. Tuesday, Wednesday against Vegas. So you go in there. I think this game's going to be fun. I just, I don't know what it is, man. I just have a bad feeling. I think the Avs lose this game like four to two. I don't know why. I, I just have a funky feeling about this game. I feel the exact opposite. I feel good about the team. I think the Leafs are on a winning streak and they've beaten a lot of bad teams lately. They've caught, they caught the Kings in the middle of a slump. They barely beat Anaheim and they feasted on the Sharks in their second worst run of the season. They're playing the Islanders tonight. I don't know the score of that game because I'm not watching it, but I think the Avs are going to go into Toronto, and I think they're going to have a real solid game. And my my heart's telling me five to three that they're going to win the game. I think Toronto's going to put up a lot of shots. I think Georgiev's still going to have above nine hundred save percentage on the game. It's going to be a high octane game, but I think the Avs. Are, I think the Avs are better than the Leafs, and I'm going to pick them as the better team to go win. Uh, I don't know. I just have a funky feeling. Like, I, I don't know why, but every time I predicted the abs to lose, they've won. So I'm going to keep going with it. And if so you keep doing it. Uh, when, when in doubt, just be negative. Yep. Uh, the Leafs and Islanders are tied at one at the end of the first period. Your mm-hmm. caps are down 2 nothing to the Kraken. I am well aware. <laughs> um, uh, quickly about Montreal. Uh, Montreal's actually <laughs> losing to, to I'm San sorry. Jose. Right I'm now. sorry. I have to cut you off because I'm watching the game and Darcy Kemper just threw a check in the middle of the play on the boards. Respect. Yeah, like straight up just pushed a skater into the boards while the puck is still in the offensive zone. Didn't get Love scored that. on, but it, that was very funny to watch. Love that. 
Um, Canadians actually losing right now to the Sharks. Very funny. Uh, Canadians are going to be a tough time, but I, I think the Avs win that game pretty comfortably. Yeah. I mean, the Habs are always going to be a tough out, but again, I think the Avs Well, because are... what do you do? Because this is the first half of back-to-back. Do you start Prozvatov or do you go Georgiev? I go Georgiev against Montreal. I think Montreal is better than Ottawa at the very least. But And also, like, if you put in Prozvatov in against Montreal, then are you throwing away that game? And then Ottawa, the team's tired, sure. and then you're putting Georgiev in. Like, I think... With the circumstance that the Avs are in right now, you want to put yourself in as good of a position as possible to secure one win and yeah. hope for the best on the second half. Because they're good enough to beat Ottawa on the second half. Yes. Like, I don't think there's any question about that. And I don't know if Prozotov's going to have three bad games in a row, but you, you got to play them at some point. You do. So we will see. Yeah. And honest, honestly, it's not going to happen but I wouldn't be shocked if they do put Georgiev in both games. Both? I wouldn't shock me either. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think they'll do that because it's Ottawa. I don't think you need to to risk anything crazy with that. But I Bednar I was not inspiring confidence in Prozvatov after his last game, where it's like you need a save. Yeah. And I think they're gonna ask themselves the question of if it's worth it or not. Yeah. I mean that'll be interesting. Um, we're still just for the listeners TBD on what we're going to do for the episode. Uh, we, we may record after the Ottawa game, uh, or we may record after the Montreal game for East coast apps fans, Griffin, these games are actually at a normal time for you. Yeah. They're at 7 PM Eastern time. I kind of, I looked at that and immediately went like, Oh, they're at nine, but no, they're not. Like in fact, the next several weeks are quite nice. It's a good time to be in East Coast. Yeah. And this... ironically, the worst one this month is against the Caps in Colorado at yeah. 9.30 Eastern time, but the rest, 7, 7, 7, 7, 1 against the Flyers. I mean... You're I, living a good life after all, the, after all the stretch, but uh, we'll, we'll let you guys know. Um, obviously, this one's coming a little bit... This episode is coming a little bit earlier than we, we usually do, but... You know, it's still two shows a week. We're still giving you two shows a week. We're giving you two shows a week. We're doing our best with our schedules. I mean, and if the Ottawa game wasn't on Tuesday, we would definitely record after Montreal. But with Ottawa happening the day after, I think I'm leaning towards just recording on Tuesday. And then when we're done, just throwing it out there, whether that's Wednesday morning or really late Tuesday night, just because like you, what if something happens in the Ottawa game and we just recorded and we'll have three games to talk about and be able to yeah. mush that all into a cohesive conversation. So loosely right now, assuming uh, my world is not collapsing on Tuesday, which very well might now that we're Good. in the Good. playoffs for the Ravens, uh, we will loosely plan to record on Tuesday. Word. Um, but I guess Ottawa, um, I, I don't know. That game is seems like an eternity. Seven, five. It's what? It's going to be 7-5. Seven five, and then just whatever team, like one team's going to win seven five. I I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, Ottawa's bad; they're bad, and the Avs could win that game like six to two, or they could lose, like you said, seven to five. I I have no no. I'm going to say the Avs win um, nine to one. We'll just go full on craziness. Sure, why not? Let, let, yeah. let, let make it ten at that point. Yeah. Too have long. it ten. Yeah, have it, it ten. ten. Jonathan Drouin scores five goals in the game. Yeah. Take, Go crazy. All, take it all the same, but that's the upcoming stretch for the Avs. We will round out this episode looking around the league right now and just getting ourselves caught up because it's been a minute since we looked at some of the standings in the league right now. And the big story everyone's talking about right now is Winnipeg 
And we've talked about Winnipeg a little bit over the last little bit. 40 games in, 27 wins, nine losses, four overtime losses. They had 58 points, one point ahead of the Avs, and they are first place in the NHL. Do you think they're for real? Do you think they can be a real cup contender this season? I don't know if cup contender is if I go that way, but they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. I, I think they're going to cause some havoc to like, I think it's a very real possibility. They win if they don't get the first in the central, which it, that could happen. I think there's a real chance they could upset the abs or the stars in the first round. Yeah. I think it's a real chance. I mean, they're good. They're a good team this year. They're deeper than they were last year. They have a passable defense. I think whenever I've talked about Winnipeg this year, I've mentioned that their defense is for once good enough to yes. get by and give Connor Hellebuck a, a fucking chance to yes. actually be able to make saves. And they're getting a lot from their guys. Like Shifley is a point per game right now. Ehlers is just under a point per game. They're getting a lot out of Gabe Velarde, who they traded for in the Dubois trade. And Dubois, fourth line center for the yes. game right now, which oof, even, even I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Yeah. But yeah, Perfetti has really grown into a great player. I have followed Niederreiter, Lowry. Like they're they're a good, complete, deep team. They're not the favorites out of the West, in my opinion, but I think they're a real problem in the first round. That I think it's something the Avs it might not even be up to them if the Jets just keep playing well. But it would matter to finish ahead of them because I want the Jets and the Stars to go beat the crap out of each other because yes. I think that's a great series. And you go deal with the wild card team, whoever that is, probably Edmonton, Nashville, Arizona, Arizona, Nashville. Yeah, those kinds of guys. But the Jets were in this spot last year. Obviously not as good as first in the league, but they were leading the Central until late January. And they fell off the face of the earth. I don't think that's going to happen again. I don't think they're going to keep this up. But I don't think they're going to fall off to the point where they're the second wild card no. in the West and fighting for their playoff lives. I think they're comfortably going to finish in the top three. And I think the it's like they've kind of, I don't want to say they've replaced the stars, but they're kind of a bigger problem lately. Yes. I, I think they've gotten younger. They got faster. Um, and the impressive part is they're doing this without Kyle Connor, who's yeah. still out with a knee injury. So I do think they're a real problem in the West. I still would take the Avs, the Stars, probably Vegas over them right now. I don't know. Like there's, there's just something about the Stars that just doesn't work for me. I've said it on multiple episodes. Oh, you got to remember, Ottinger's yeah. been out for like two weeks now. So I know. He, I know. He looks rough. But Hellebuck against Ottinger? I'm taking I'm taking Hellebuck. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it'd be interesting. I I, I still I, I need to see the Jets do this for the entire year. Yeah, and with Heiskin in week to week and Ottinger still week to week, like that could not be great for the Stars over the yeah. next couple of games. And I was watching the Stars game last night. They're saying Ottinger should be back in the next couple of games. Okay, and I mean they've also beaten up very badly on Minnesota, who is a. Uh, an interesting topic of conversation in themselves. We want to shift off the Jets and go back to our favorite punching bags. Yeah, the Wild are, they look a lot like the team I thought they would when these buyouts would started. Like, they look a lot like that team that is basically playing with less than, what, like $15 million than they should have. And also everyone's hurt. Yeah, everyone's hurt. This team's banged up. They had that, like, that stud rookie goaltender in the AHL come up, and he gave up six or seven goals last night. Yeah. So 
Jesper Wallstedt, the first round pick of 2021, really hyped up goalie. Stars put up seven on his yeah. head. Not a great debut for the 21 year old goalie. No. I mean, Gustafson's week to week, Brodeen's week to week, Spurgeon's hurt again after he started the season hurt. Kaprizov is, I think, closer to being back than yep. than he was. But they're they're missing some key guys, and they're they're just not getting the same luck anymore. Nope. Whereas, like the the guys they've kept around who were on ridiculous paces are still playing well. I mean, Hartman's got twelve goals. Boldy's slowly climbing the goal scoring ladder again after starting slow. Erickson X been consistent. But this has been the problem with Minnesota for a long time. You take Karol Kaprizov out, it is a collection of good players. These are all very solid pieces that if you take them bit by bit off the team and put them on cup contenders, they're guys that help push you over the top. Yes. But it's not enough. It's not enough there. And it, it's they're still in the playoff race. Uh, they're going to need to really get going here soon because Edmonton looked like they were dead like a month ago. Edmonton's going to make the playoffs comfortably, in my opinion, now. I, I, I think unless they have another collapse, I think Edmonton's going to be in. Um, it, it's going to be a race for that eight playoff spot in the West because I think seven of the playoff teams in the West are pretty much confirmed. Like, and for Minnesota, they've lost six of their last seven, and four of those losses were to Winnipeg and Dallas which kind of takes them out of the division race. Yes. Like that you can't be giving up four of those games like that. You, that's just not going to work. You, you're not going to be able to survive off of that. I don't think they beat Dallas all year. No, they haven't. And I think that Dallas I think they've played, them, they've played them four times already. Haven't they? I think it's three or four. Yeah. I'm only seeing three right now but dallas has beaten them eight to three four to nothing and seven to two yeah and the, winnipeg beat them four to two and three to two and also took out kaprizov yeah yeah i mean i i think minnesota is going to be in a fight to get there uh i, I think the west playoff picture is pretty much there's seven of eight confirmed yeah. and that's why it's vastly important for the abs if they can get the one seed in the west you're going to match up against a not great second wild card team yeah i mean could also be arizona could Which, be, but I, I like our chance against Arizona. I like our chances against Arizona, but you know there's plenty of people that are going to oh, see. Oh, yeah, that'd be the trendy them. pick. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be the, the trendy pick, as Arizona just has the Avs number. Could also be Could. the problem. Yeah. Uh, 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 it would be nice to get some repercussions on them, but, uh, yeah, no, I don't want that. It, it is going to be vastly important for the Avs to get the one seed, though, because that's that second wild, or that first wild card team is going to be a good team. Yeah, I, think. I, I just think this year across the NHL, you, you just can't put a lot of merit in the seeding. No. Like, just you get the top seed for its advantages and for home ice. Outside of that, throw the fucking thing in the trash. Does not matter at all. All of these teams are so close together. Like, the this President's Trophy is going to be the most meaningless one I think we've ever seen. It would be, I want it to be Vancouver so bad. I think that would just be hilarious. It might be Vancouver or Winnipeg. If they won the President's Cup trophy, I think that would be hilarious. And then losing the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. To so, Edmonton. To Edmonton, yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, the West, like, there's not really great storylines. I think it's going kind of as we thought it would. I mean, Edmonton was a surprise at the beginning, but you have Vancouver and Winnipeg who have surprised and surpassed expectations so far. But other than that, I think the West has kind of shaked out the way we thought it would. Yeah, I mean, Winnipeg and Vancouver are definitely overshooting what we thought they would be, but like 
the Avs and the Stars with another third team that's pulled away from the pack. And it's Vegas and LA in the Pacific, and they're they're struggling lately. They've really allowed Vancouver to pull away. And Edmonton's going to make the playoffs, yes. like, like you said. They they are definitely going to make the playoffs. They've won eight in a row. They're already back in before they're even at their halfway point. They've already played only played 37 games. And I think it's just that other spot that's going to be up for grabs, whether that's Nashville, Seattle, Arizona, St. Louis, Calgary's still in the race too. Minnesota's got work to do, but they can still be in that. They can still do it, but they're going to have to really go on a tear here in these last. Yeah, they re- they really got to get together because they're they're behind even those teams that I've yep. listed. They're they're below five hundred at the halfway mark. Yeah, so feeling pretty good about the West. Let's let's move on to the East because the East is going to be a fucking craziness to the end of the regular season. Um, Flyers still holding the playoff spot, and then there's what like five or six teams competing for the wild card spots that are like a point away from each other. Yeah. Like Boston, Florida, and Toronto are going to make it in the Atlantic. I think we can pretty much lock that in. Yep. And New York and Carolina, I think you can lock into making it in the, the Metro and the flyers are still in it, but they've really been struggling lately. And everything else is entirely up for grabs. I mean, between the Islanders and the Red Wings, which is a difference of one, two, three, four, five teams is two points. It's going to be craziness. And the thing is, is like there's two outliers in that to me, and that's Tampa Bay and New Jersey. Those teams, in my opinion, shouldn't be fighting for the playoffs this hard. But the Devils don't have goaltending. The Lightning have kind of started to show their age a little bit. And then I just love like I I know it's fun to pick on the caps, but they are just the outlier of outliers in this. They're, they have a negative 23 goal differential they and they not good. They're not and by points differential, this team or not points differential uh, points percentage, they would be a playoff team. Yeah. They would currently be the top wild card team in the playoffs right now, or at least they're tied with New Jersey in points it, percentage. And it's very funny. They've like, only scored 94 goals, which is by far, Far the lowest in the entire Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's crazy. They have uh, scored less goals than the Chicago fucking Blackhawks, and they are in a playoff race right now. It's crazy. Um, I do think a couple. I do think some teams will pull away. Um, it just, I New Jersey. I want to believe in them so bad. I think they're good, but their goal scares me. They're like battered. they're getting beat up. Um, think pittsburgh's gonna make a move at the end if you had to put like if i had to guess which are gonna make it i'm gonna go tampa and pittsburgh as the two wild card teams yeah as I like just, those, those are pretty safe ones like, yeah like the I islanders mean, could could easily make it just because they lose so much in overtime but I, I just think the penguins are gonna come back and i just can't write off the lightning yet yeah i think the penguins they've started to turn it around a little bit they're currently losing 3-1 to the Canucks. Yeah, well, that's what the Canucks but, are doing lately. Yeah. They, they rattled off a couple of good points towards the end of the calendar year and at the start of the calendar year. Then they lost to the Caps, and then they had that burner, barn burner against the, the Bruins, blew one of the Sabres, beat the Flyers. Now they're going to lose to the Canucks again. I think they're going to just barely sneak in there. I think Crosby's playing too well to let that team miss the playoffs. As just so long as they can stay healthy, I think they're going to get in. And with Tampa, it's going to have to come down to the wire because Kucherov is the biggest Gosh. threat. Is the biggest threat to the McKinnon heart propaganda because yes. 
he is scoring what 43% of their goals right now. Yeah. Where it's like, I almost don't even want to talk about it because I don't want to tell. Yeah, we, we, let's just skip over that. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to tell people that yeah. because I'm afraid it's going to hurt the narratives. And they they need more help from their guys. And Vasilevsky came back from his injury and has been an improvement over Jonas Johansson, for sure. Not a super high bar to clear, but <laughs> they're still fighting really hard. Kucherov is 67 points. Point is 42 point per game. Stamkos is a point per game. But th- this team is battered from the, the salary cap, whereas just the, the salary cap not going up has hurt Tampa more than anybody. Because yeah. they're missing Mikhail Sergachev, which is a big deal, and I think Tanner should know too. Two guys, and this team looks like they're missing half their lineup. Yes. Yes, and Hedman hasn't, like, it wasn't just a bump in the road for Hedman, I don't think. I think we're all, we are starting to see the decline. I mean... He is a point per game still, but yeah, but like Victor, he's not, he's he's not a step. Norris conversation yeah. anymore. Not Norris conversation. Um, just real quick, I'm looking just at the scores for tonight. Uh, there was a period of hockey played in Anaheim and Carolina where the Ducks mustered one shot on goal. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good for them. One shot on goal for an entire period of hockey. Um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. The East is going to be a battle. I, I'm looking forward to watching that. I, I think it's going to be a lot more intriguing than the West when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's seven spots locked up in the West, and really most of the East is is wide open. Yeah. I think the Bruins and the Panthers are going to fight for the top spot, and I, I like the Panthers in that. I've said it for most of the year. I really like that team. They're and good. I think Chuck's starting to score goals again yeah. on top of what Brian Hart's doing, and Barkoff is just Barkoff. Like the, the Panthers are a loaded team. Yeah, they they they're they're scary. They're scary, scary, especially if they add at the deadline and Bobrovsky stays good. They're scary. And you stick Toronto in that three seed. They're either matching up with Boston or Florida in round that'll one. Be, oh. That'll be great series. Both of which phenomenal. I actually think they match. They'd want to match up with Boston. Oh I think my god! They, I, yeah, think, I think I think Florida runs their fate again. Yeah, I mean we saw it again. We saw it last yeah. year. Like I I, I think t- Toronto in a weird way wants Boston in the first round. I think I think they just want Boston so they can finally try to beat them again and just wash some of that out of their face of over the last several years. Yeah, Probably just seems to have a lot of demons against everybody for True. some reason because they True. can't beat anybody. But I don't like their chances against either of them. If I'm being honest, I like their chances against Boston better than I do against Florida. And yeah. then I mean, you just look at let's just look at the current playoff matchups right now to kind of focus this conversation before I go completely off the rails in terms of points percentage. You would have Winnipeg going up against Nashville in round one. Sweep. It's okay. Colorado-Dallas, great series. Vancouver-Edmonton, great series. Probably the best. Yeah. LA-Vegas, which if those teams turn it around, that could also be the best series. Rangers and Devils rematch in terms of number one seed versus wild card. You just switch home teams from last year. Carolina-Philly, which is a series that would happen, definitely. There's yep. series that you can watch for sure. Boston, Washington, that will not stay that way. But oh. as of right now, <laughs> as of right now, that's what it is. Oof. Okay. And then Florida, Toronto. Yeah, those are those are bangers. Yeah. Uh, outside of the Carolina and the Boston series, those are bangers. Yeah, Winnipeg, Nashville could be better, but could be better. Yeah. Again, it's, it's what you said. The team that sneaks into the second wild card is probably not a great matchup for anyone. It's probably not going to be super exciting. I don't think Philly's going to stick in that role. I definitely don't think the Caps are going to stick in that role. 
I, I think that the, the Devils, if they get healthy, are going to climb back into this and They're probably just too into the top three. Pittsburgh and the Islanders is going to be a great race. It's probably just going to come down to those head-to-head matchups like it did last season, where I think that there's a reason why those teams are each other's final game of this for Pittsburgh and the Islanders, because the Islanders, I think they played each other like three times in the season and the Islanders swept them. And that's why they made the playoffs and the Penguins didn't. So those head-to-head matchups are going to have to be really interesting. And the Penguins, have won both of them so far, 7-0 and 3-1. And they're going to have to do that more. We'll have to wait and see. I can't wait for it, man. This is going to be a fun end of the regular season. This is the dead part of the season where it's just like, well, all right, we got to just keep going. I think, I think we're past the dead part. Now we're past halfway. The trade deadline's getting a little closer. It's like once you get past the all-star break, full steam ahead. Yeah, we're just that's when the fun really begins. Yeah, but... because – now you're anticipating that at least a little yeah. bit and starting to talk about these things a little more seriously. I think like middle of December to New Year's is probably the worst part of the year in terms of the season because there's so much of it left and you can't talk awards. It's too early to talk trade deadline. And yeah. It's going to be fun. It's I can't wait for it. Um, and I don't think I have anything else. No, I think we're all good. We hit, we've hit the the time we were shooting for. I was a little worried about it, but we we hit the time we were shooting for for this episode. And I think we are ready to wrap this one up here. So thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for twenty dollars off your first order of fifty dollars or more. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs. Mm-hmm.